to the Digiday podcast. My name is Tim Peterson. I'm the senior media editor at Digiday. And I'm Kaylee Barber, senior reporter. Kaylee, you had the interview this week. You spoke with Tina Shaw, the GM and EVP of Turner Sports. Big month for Turner Sports. March Madness is going on and there wasn't a March Madness last year. So I imagine um, it's a bigger March Madness this year in a lot of respects. Yeah, Tina, uh, she mentioned how excited advertisers especially were to kind of get that um, property back uh, and that audience back this year. And I think we kick off the conversation talking about March Madness because it's definitely on people's minds. Um, Even people who aren't typical basketball fans, I think, are still somewhat involved in the whole thing. Like, I made a bracket even though I'm not planning on watching any of the games. But um, I think, like, we we kicked off the conversation, and she did talk about advertisers' interest. She also talked about, you know, how the upsets and the um, surprising wins also impact, like, viewership and um, things of that nature and which platforms they're looking to get audiences um, watching March Madness on this year. So we do talk about that topic quite a bit. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's an exciting and and revenue driving time for Turner Sports for sure. Right. And one thing that's come up with March Madness this year is there was a story, I think it was in the past week, about how the NCAA hasn't let um, the women's national basketball championship tournament um, use the the term March Madness. They've kind of reserved that for uh, the men's tournament. And and that's kind of Mm. drawn a new, a renewed focus on women's sports why isn't there parity and equity between men's sports and women's sports and i imagine that's something that also goes in the sports media realm as well Mm -hmm. where it can be more male dominated is that a topic that you delved into with tina yeah obviously tina she's built her entire career as a woman in um, the sports media industry. So we definitely talked about her experiences Um, to your point about like the, um, the inequality between men and women's sports, like even the story about how the women's teams weren't given the same like weight room equipment and uh, the dinners, even like the men's teams had huge buffets and things like that. Just it's, it's very evident that in 2021, we're still, um, you know, seeing these inequalities take place. And Tina um, definitely talked about, you know, the importance of things like representation and how, um, you know, getting women on the camera to talk about sports and getting women to, um, you know, contribute content. And even on the business side of things, like, contributing to advertising deals and things like that, like having that representation is, is definitely crucial to create like a, a balanced, you know, sports media industry. So we talk about that a bunch as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, this conversation had a lot of really great kind of, um, topics that we delve into. So yeah, it was, it was an exciting conversation for sure. Awesome. I'm excited to hear it. So I'll let you take it away with Tina Kaylee. Thank you so much for joining us, Tina. Thank you so much for having me. So I think it'd be great to start out with what's probably um, top of mind for a a good deal of our listeners, which is March Madness is back this year. And um, I know I, despite not really being a a basketball fan myself, have filled out a bracket. I feel like that's a very common thing that people are doing. (laughs) So it is top of mind. Um, But I uh, was curious, like, has there been more interest from advertisers this year than uh, maybe previous years, given the 
missed opportunity in 2020 um, to have this kind of like March Madness audience. I mean, let me start by saying we're just thrilled to have the tournament back. I mean, having it at the gap last year, you really just realize how much sports means culturally and this tournament. I mean, there's nothing quite like it that captivates an entire country for a month, whether it's you know, being with your family or cheering on your alma mater or the ups and downs, which uh, sadly I know since my beloved Florida Gators just lost to Oral Roberts, Mm -hmm. Um, or the bracket like you mentioned, which is a cultural icon, whether you're a sports fan or not, it's your, your attachment. And so there's so much emotional connection to the event that I'm just ecstatic that it's back. I think Uh, To your specific question around advertisers, you know, we continue to see really strong interest around the tournament from fans, from advertisers. I mean, like I described, it's such a unique property. And for this year, we have, um, you know, very high advertiser interest around it. So we're excited. I think our corporate partners and champions and advertisers are excited and we're right in the heart of it right now. I'm curious also, um, with the bracket in particular, um, are some of the upsets that you mentioned, like, um, the, the, the teams that were expected to maybe go, go the whole way or or get pretty far into the tournament, um, when they lose, is there this kind of like, like ricocheting effect on like audience or, um, even, I guess, is it, is it bad for your ad business? Like if someone's team loses, do they stop watching do you find and does that subsequently like impact you know ratings and and your ad business i think the storylines and the upsets are just part and parcel of the tournament it's part and parcel of what fans love about it and what advertisers love about it and so while you certainly have certain teams that draw larger audiences we see cinderella teams draw huge audiences because that is again what's so unique about the tournament is those storylines and that's really you know what we're trying to do this year even though you know we're still in the middle or tail end of a pandemic you know really still making sure that we create these engaging experiences for fans across all of our platforms so i'm curious like going back to the advertising um you mentioned that there's a there's been a lot of interest um from advertisers this year um are you seeing more advertisers spending on March Madness this year? Are they different advertisers than maybe previous years? Like knowing I live in New Jersey, so I get inundated with tons of like DraftKings sportsbook ads and and um, different sportsbooks. I'm curious, like have the advertisers themselves changed um, from previous years and is spend different? Does it look different than in the past? Yeah, I think we have a stable set of corporate champions and partners that we've had long-standing relationships with that look to um, operationalize their rights and really capitalize on what's so special about the tournament. I think this year we've also had an influx of new advertisers. And some of the things that we've done is really try to innovate in the ad space, just like we do with our production and other areas of new elements that we can offer to advertisers. So this year you may have seen, we've got new contextual ads um, featuring a lot of our sports talent. And so trying to do new things again to help advertisers connect to the tournament. I guess the contextual ads that you mentioned and that kind of approach, is that like a result of needing to be innovative in a pandemic and how you're producing like ad campaigns and and content in general? Is it kind of like indicative of of the reality that we're living in that you've made some of these changes in um, the campaigns? 
the innovation piece is just part of our DNA, honestly. Every year with the tournament, you know, we don't want to rest on our laurels, whether it's the tournament, whether it's our NBA coverage of really year over year. How do we enhance the fan experience? How do we make sure that we're capitalizing on whether you're a casual fan or you're a hardcore fan, whether you're on your phone, whether you're watching on TV, you know, how do we make sure we reach those audiences? So I don't know that it's pandemic specific, but certainly we wanted to even in spite of being in a pandemic, continue that innovation. So I think, you know, if you look back since we started the tournament, you'd see innovations across our ad space, across our production every year. I, I think the area that we have seen some innovation, which is due to the pandemic, is just the way in which we produce content. We're obviously doing a lot more remotely. Um, you may have seen a video that went viral because we set up um, uh, for our announcers remote capabilities to call games. And there was a video that Kevin Harlan, one of our TNT um, NBA announcers posted of Kevin Harlan calling games from his basement and his daughter posted that video and it went viral. So we certainly are finding new ways to produce content in this pandemic. Can you explain what those contextual ads were with the um, the hosts, I think you mentioned, or, or your talent? Can you talk about what those looked like? And um, I guess, was that something that advertisers were looking for, or, or how did that kind of come about? We work really closely with our advertisers to figure out how to weave their messaging um, into the tournament and also how to make sure that it resonates with fans. So one of the contextual ads um, that I'll bring up is for our advertisers where you'll see, you know, maybe Charles Barkley out of a segment with Samuel L. Jackson talking about the tournament. Um, so just an example of how we're infusing our talent in and out of breaks and using them in ads. I'm also curious about, I guess, the platforms that you're on. So you have like linear, linear you have connected TV, you have like live streaming, you're in these different areas um, to broadcast the games. Um, I know that like, uh, Paramount Plus is showing some of the games as well. I guess, like, are you considering that as, like, a, a competition for views? Is that um, something that you're considering at all with, like, how um, you're approaching uh, streaming audiences? Like, how are you navigating um, a competitor showing some of that content? One of the things that's been wonderful about the tournament for us is really our longstanding partnership with CBS and with NCAA. And I think one of the reasons it's worked so well is because we have a very unified and fan-focused approach. So everything that we do around the tournament is done as one, whether it's leveraging our talent across the 67 games, whether it's selling advertising, everything that we do is sort of coordinated. I think one thing that, you know, uh, that Turner Sports does is also manage March Madness Live, which is the live streaming product that includes all the games and is on 19 different platforms across mobile and connected devices. So that is for us, uh, the focus of, um, our live streaming product is March Madness Live, and it's something that year over year we continue to enhance. You know, every year that team uh, looks at that product and revamps it to make sure that it's creating uh, the most um, engaging experience with fans. Going off of March Madness Live, like, do you have a specific goal this year to drive more audiences to that platform versus linear? Or um, I guess is linear like, I don't, I, I think I always think like linear audiences tend to be more valuable because advertising on that platform is typically higher rating than um, CTV or it has been historically. But I'm curious, like, do you have, uh, are you trying to push audiences to either of those platforms or does it 
ultimately not really matter as long as you get those eyes? It's both. I mean, for us, we really want to reach fans wherever they are in the way that they want to be reached. And so for us, I think one of the things that is unique and differentiated about us is we have these television networks, we have the live streaming product, and then we have Bleacher Report and House of Highlights, which really bring together sports and sports culture. And so across all of these outlets, our goal is really whether you're a casual fan, hardcore, um, if you want to watch a full live game, if you want to be on social media and see the latest sneaker drop, whatever that component of sports culture that really draws you in is is how we want to reach fans. So we want to push to television. We want to push to March Madness Live. We want to push to Bleacher Report because we think it's all complementary ultimately in mm -hmm. terms of holistically looking at fans and meeting them where they are. And speaking of um, Bleacher Report and House of Highlights, I had spoken uh, a couple weeks ago now around the All-Stars game um, with Doug Bernstein from House of Highlights, and he was talking about this kind of approach um, of homing this like younger audience of sports fans, getting them, I guess, more interested in live sports because – to my understanding, that demographic usually isn't the the one sitting down um, in front of uh, a TV watching a game live. Um, but he, he was talking about trying to get uh, this younger audience really activated and interested in live sports again in order to kind of um, get that kind of linear level ratings and, and linear level like monetization um back around that younger audience and hit that demographic because I think some advertisers want that young sports demographic. Um, can you talk about that strategy of trying to get that younger sports fan and and how you're going about that engagement tactic and subsequently monetizing that demographic? Absolutely. I think it ties into something we just talked about, again, of trying to create experiences that are very tailored to the demographic and to the platform. And so for us, you know, we know that younger audiences consume sports content differently. We use a lot of data around our planning and the two events, which I'll mention that we did around All-Star, um, both of which were new original live events. One was House of Highlights Showdown, which was, you know, a knockout style event with top influencers. Um, and distributed on YouTube, and then BR Open Run, which is a two-on-two -two basketball game featuring some of the biggest names in hip-hop. Um, and I think what was interesting about both of those and really complementary to what we were doing around All-Star was, again, they were live, they were original, but they were very tailored to a younger demographic, you know, using influencers as the quote-unquote talent, or having hip-hop artists not only um, compete in a two-on-two, -two, but also experimenting with an NFT collection, which I will not claim to be an expert in, um, but experimenting in new ways, again, as a tool for engagement. So we're really excited about that, um, about a live original um, franchises like these that draw audience. And honestly, we saw record engagement across our platforms. The NFTs, I will mention, I, I wrote a little bit about that in a, um, a WTF on NFTs that people can check out on <laughs> digiday.com that gets into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting. So there's definitely these different ways of um, engaging. Can you talk about are advertisers like interested in these new types of engagement? Like I know NFTs in particular are super new, super 
scary, I'm sure, for a lot of brands. <laughs> but um, can you talk about like how advertisers are responding to these innovative ways of engagement around sports? Because I think for so long, it was just very much like who's watching and who's not, right? Right. And I think they're responding really favorably. I mean, look, advertisers, just like media companies, just like um, you know, big box retailers are all looking to connect across really broad demographics, including younger audiences. And so, you know, for us, advertisers are interested in this. You know, we had um, Modelo as a sponsor um, for one of the events, which is great. And I think, you know, we'll continue to bring these opportunities to advertisers. You know, one version of the showdown that I'll mention that we did earlier last year was around our golf tournament, The Match. Um, and it sort of shows the interplay between our traditional TV business and reaching younger demographics. So we had this wonderful golf tournament, um, celebrity driven on TNT, and then we did a version of this House of Highlights showdown, which featured influencers um, golfing, but then having Charles Barkley and others you know, commenting on those influencers playing golf. So you know, a live event digitally focused towards that audience but again, drawing in some of what people love about our television coverage. Yeah. So I guess from there, do you think that there's going to be more opportunities for these like cross brand activations, like like using Charles Barkley to to talk about some of the the House of Highlights things like that? Like, do you think that there's going to be more combination of the brands like in the coming year, um, or maybe even longer than that uh, to to continue that kind of trajectory? I think where it makes sense. I mean, I think we're fortunate because Turner Sports encompasses Turner Sports, Bleacher Report, House of Highlights. Um, So we certainly want to leverage all of our talent and capabilities where we can and scale where we can. But we also want to make sure that what we're trying to do in terms of reach fans in ways that really resonate with them, that we're meeting that. And so, you know, having distinct identities is something that we're also, um, you know, wanting to maintain. If we want to reach a younger audience, we want to make sure that it feels organic to that audience. And so the answer is yes. I think it depends on the what it is and how we do it, but it's something you saw throughout All-Star Weekend. You saw it throughout the match of how we um, weave that in in a very authentic way. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, then we'll be right back. Kind of going off this conversation about um, the younger sports fan demographic, I also want to talk about female sports fans. Um, And obviously there's a a significant demographic of women who both view and play sports. And But I feel like there's still this kind of like gap of uh, appealing to the female sports fan. It's not like – I think there's few media brands that really kind of like dig into that demographic. But – I'm curious about how you're thinking about engaging women um, fans of sports and and how you're getting them to, you know, be super fans on on Turner Sports Brands or tune in or, um, yeah, I guess, can you talk about what what you're doing to really, you know, serve this, this group? This is an important group for us. I think, you know, one thing I'll say is the female sports fan is not a monolithic group, Mm -hmm. just like the male sports fan. So we really look at it in a few different ways. The first is around, you know, 
how can we use our platforms to tell really powerful stories about female athletes, about teams? And we do that in a few ways. Uh, we co-manage NBA TV, the television network with the NBA. We televise WNBA games and programming on there. Um, when you go to Bleacher on any given day on Bleacher, uh, BR football, you could see coverage around the U.S. women's um, national soccer team. Uh, you could go to BR Kicks and see a spotlight on a female designer bringing in that cultural component. Um, and then one uh, initiative that I'm particularly proud of is Highlight Her, which is a new Bleacher Report portfolio brand um, that focuses just on female athletes and teams. It is led by female content creators, producers, and programmers. And it's, I mean, it's just inclusive, it's celebratory, it really is an inspiring account highlighting women in their sports. Um, and right now it's the number one fastest growing women's sports brand on Instagram. So, you know, I think having superstars like Candace Parker or Jenny Finch or others um, uh, appear on the platform has helped, um, but that's, that's one place we're doing it. I think the second is really through amplifying female creators and female storytelling. So recently we had um, one of our shows, The Arena on TNT, and Candace Parker um, produced the entire show. And it was focused on women in sports. Um, and it was exclusively dedicated to that. And they were really powerful, powerful dialogue, powerful episodes covering everything from Dominique Dawes in the 1996 Olympics to having a spoken word essay called Black Girl Fly. And I think that um, kind of shows the power of female voices um, in influencing what the content is. And then the last thing that you alluded to, which is um, we have a, a huge uh, female audience that is interested in many of the sports we have like NBA, Major League Baseball, NCAA. In fact, half of our um, tournament viewers are women. And so this idea that, you know, either if you're female, you're a fan of female sports, or if you're male, you're a fan of female sports. I'm looking forward to debunking that because from our perspective, it's all about powerful storytelling. And what are those powerful stories? And they resonate with people. And so I think, you know, one thing we did during the All-Star Game was in collaboration with Nike, um, we had a Highlight Her feature that really um, had Ari Chambers from Highlight Her um, interviewing a bunch of female athletes. And, you know, it was powerful to have that right in the middle of our All-Star coverage. But again, going to the point that there are not only female, but male fans that are interested in that storytelling. You mentioned that Nike was um, a partner for uh, a Highlight Her kind of collaboration, but is kind of like debunking that stigma that, you know, men are only interested in ma male sports and women are only interested in female sports. Do, I guess, do you find that you need to kind of debunk that with advertisers as, as well? Is that something that you're seeing kind of like, I guess, a, a stigma that's that's lingering in the advertising world? Um, I don't think so, but I think we also know and advertisers know that it's primarily women that are making purchasing decisions. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of um, how you view that audience, I think advertisers are intimately familiar with that and certainly Nike will be. I mean, and the truth is, you know, for women's sports, uh, more than 50% of fans of women's sports are men. 
And so again, going to this idea that sports is about competition, it's about storylines, it's about athletes, and that that transcends across both genders. You mentioned that about 50% of your audience for like NBA um, tournaments, I think you said, was um, made up of women. I'm curious, like how significant women are in your like total audience like how how big a chunk of your viewership comes from um women so the the stat that i mentioned is um actually from the nca tournament um you know about half of the tournament viewers are um women and i think for us you know it's not only live games but it's everything around sports and sports culture that's one of the things that i think bleacher report and all of our social accounts from Bleacher Report do so well, um, which is really highlight moments that matter. And so whether you're female or you're male, you might be interested in seeing the latest sneaker drop. So I think that's something where across all of our platforms, you know, we're really trying to engage fans no matter who you are or where you are. While we're kind of talking about women in sports, I also want to talk about your experience as a woman in sports media. And um, obviously, you've taken on this like great leadership role and you're a big part of the Turner Sports Network. Can you talk about your experience um, kind of working your way to the role that you're at now? And um, how was that for you? So things have changed a lot, you know? I mean, I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg always said, like, progress is one step at a time, and that's certainly true. And when you look back now versus when I started 20 years ago, probably working in this industry, it's really night and day. I mean, I started my career literally in a supply closet um, at Turner as an intern Mm -hmm. um, and had kind of a varied trajectory here. I I think for for women in our industry, like I said, there's been so much progress. I think where 20 years ago, you might have been the, you know, no, I'm not saying anything that's a secret, which is sports has been a historically male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, early in, in my career, you were the only one a lot. Um, and now looking at everything from representation to, Um, support resources that women have to even social media, honestly, which shows you every day women as examples of what is possible. And that is a very um, powerful tool that I would have loved 20 years ago, candidly. Um, So I'm just, I'm really encouraged. There's always more work to do, but, you know, I'm really encouraged to see the advancement of women. And, you know, I feel lucky that over the years I've worked for and with, you know, many men who could have cared less about whether I was Indian or female or first generation American. They really were interested in what I was bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And so for me, honing your, my skill set was the most important thing to do. We mentioned this, or we were talking about this a little bit earlier with like that kind of um, uh, representation and um, the the content that you're producing and, and the hosts that you have and um, how just featuring more women storytellers helps in general with the audience development portion of it. Um, can you talk about like, um, I mean, you mentioned that you think that there's definitely been progress in giving women a seat at the table, but can you talk about like that kind of talent development and and hosting um, and really integrating women on screen more. Um, Can you talk about that portion of the sports media industry and and how you think that that's kind of 
developed and, and if you still think that there's work that needs to be done um, at that kind of a level? Yeah, so one example I'll give that we're really proud of is Taylor Rook's work over the summer um, in the NBA bubble. You know, she introduced a new show called Defining, and she had a lot of really raw, groundbreaking, groundbreaking discussions on the experience of race. And, and one thing that was noteworthy was that while these discussions were happening, the voice and the perspective that she was able to elicit was different. And it was powerful and it was honest. And I think, you know, continuing to show differentiation by having different voices is something that we really value. And I think if you look at both the people in front of the camera for us, as well as, you know, internally, people who are really doing the hard work around production and marketing and programming and all of those areas to, to be able to have that influence on the business of sports, I think is powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and optics still matter, right? I mean, I, the case in point I'll bring up is uh, I taught a class at the University of Georgia's law school for a few years as an adjunct, and I taught it with um, a former colleague of mine who's male. We split up the classes. He taught half the classes. I taught half the classes. Um, and this is no knock on him, but at the end of the semester, we would compare notes on participation. And we had vastly different notes. Female participation in my classes was very high and female participation in his classes was still relatively low. And so this idea of optics and what you see still mattering, I think is true, but that's where I think so much progress has been made. I mean, every day I'm on social media and I see examples of women who are elevating issues, who are killing it across all industries and and that's incredibly impactful. That's That's really interesting too is like, having that real tangible example of more women speaking in your class versus his, I think like it's people could say like representation matters, but I think it's, it's hard to understand how much it matters um, and, and really giving voices to people who don't always see themselves like in a leadership role or on screen. Like, I think that's, that's super important to, mention. And I guess I'm curious, like what else has, you know, Turner Sports and Bleacher Report and House of Highlights, like how else, like, have you guys been thinking about the very like much internal behind the scenes development of um, talent, you know, not just women, but also people of color and, and, you know, marginalized, uh, you know, populations, like how are you thinking about that kind of internal um, business side, maybe development? It's a good question and focus on inclusiveness is a huge priority for us. I mean, I'm personally evidence of this, but also a strong advocate of, you know, amongst, for our leadership team, it's one of the most diverse in this industry. It's equal, um, equal based on people of color and equal for women, which for a leadership team, I think is a pretty amazing point. And so, that trickles down throughout the organization of, you know, really wanting to, one, make sure that we hear diverse voices, and that's part of our culture. I mean, I've benefited from uh, people who want to hear a different opinion and want to hear a different perspective, and that's part of our culture. And so uh, culturally, I think that's one, how we make sure to create open environments for people to feel comfortable with that. I think accountability is another how we hold ourselves accountable, which we do across management teams internally around diversity and inclusion. Um, and then 
The third is we just have an incredible talent pool. I mean, it, it, you want to tap into the vast creators and creative folks we have across the organization. I mean, our business is going through seismic changes right now, you know, in our industry. And so for me, and I think for our whole organization, there's no way to be successful unless you really are tapping into the wealth of knowledge that exists across our talent base. So part of it is a business necessity, and it's one that we acknowledge every day. Um, and we see examples of it every day. You know, we recently had a, a female um, producer in our organization who had an idea around creating chronically inside the NBA, which is obviously one of our most popular shows and most culturally iconic. Um, and she, you know, came up with an idea of how to chronicle it and it debuted at Sundance. Uh, we went forward with it, it debuted at Sundance. It just premiered as a four-part docuseries on TNT. And it's amazing. And that to me is one of many examples of how we're tapping into voices across our organization. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Being someone who has worked at a couple different companies, like it's often like the the people who are hands on with the the content day to day that are coming up with the innovations or, or you know thinking about projects in a way that maybe leadership doesn't have time to think about because they're doing so many other things. I think that that's like a that's a that's awesome. Um, awesome. Well, so I guess like to kind of wrap things up, um, I usually like to ask about. Um, I think now that we are kind of at this hopefully tail end of a pandemic um, and I feel like a lot of media companies have been able to get back into a, a groove, maybe a new groove from pre-pandemic, but a groove nonetheless. I'm curious about what you're kind of thinking about this year that we're currently in and what you're excited about. Like what are some things that are on the horizon that you are thinking about that you're getting ready to launch or um, getting ready to do that are exciting for you? I mean, we're right in the heart of it, Kaylee. You know, we started the beginning of the year just in a sprint uh, with the NBA season fully underway with NBA All-Star and now March Madness. So honestly, I've been excited since we started the beginning of the year and came back from the holidays because some of our biggest tent poles exist right now. Mm -hmm. So we'll go straight from March Madness into NBA playoffs and then from there. Um, I think one thing that I'm excited about is... Um, how we incorporate things we've learned during this last year into how we run our business going forward. I mean, we've definitely learned a ton about fans. Uh, we've learned a lot about engagement. Um, and so continuing to build on that, building on things like trying to experiment in new things like NFTs, um, you know, using e-commerce, which is something that we use really as an engagement tool and more of an engagement tool and less of a merchandise item. Um, so, I'm excited about what we have um, on the horizon. I think, you know, between our linear properties and Bleacher Report and House of Highlights, uh, there's a lot of exciting things ahead. And I also personally am excited to go out to dinner at some point. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, the weather's starting to, to warm up a little bit, so outdoor dining is kind of back in the game. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for just a return to, to somewhat normal. Hopefully the summer feels more like summer 2019 than summer 2020, but we shall see. Um, 
Yeah, and I'd like to, you know, it'll be nice to see colleagues. I mean, during the tournament, you know, the office has just a ton of energy mm -hmm. and we're recreating some of that. You know, every Zoom call we've had recently, people are wearing their alma mater shirts. And so, you know, we're recreating it in different ways, but uh, definitely looking forward to seeing some people in person. Yeah. Do you have a, an idea of when the return to office might be? I think we're targeting September ourselves, but I'm, I'm curious. We're looking at the same time frame, I think, as to how that looks and what that cadence looks like, um, I think is still something we're working through. But that's the same timeline we're working yeah. with. I feel like I feel like there's going to be a huge return to office um, around September, maybe Labor Day. Um, yeah. So we shall see. But uh, thank you so much, Tina, for joining us. Um, this is this is really interesting and, and great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the Digiday podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode.